Now let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 15 this morning. We, uh, we come to the end of the instructional part of Romans uh, in this chapter. Uh, the final chapter is uh, uh, just benediction and a, and a greeting. And uh, I don't know how long we've been in this book of Romans, but it seems like, wow, we're already uh, nearing the end of it. But we're going to pick up in verse 14 uh, through verse 20 or verse 33, rather. I uh, just wanted to also mention, <clears throat> it's in your bulletin, uh, there will be no baptism this year. Uh, unfortunately, there was a drowning uh, at Casey Park, so they shut everything down. Uh, so uh, we will have, though, a full schedule of activities and things, uh, games and so forth. Uh, we'll fatten you up, and then we'll work you out. And... Um, the head count is important um, only because it, it shows us how much meat to buy. And um, there will be things like potatoes and uh, macaroni salad and things of that nature we will be supplying too. And usually the dishes to pass uh, are probably desserts. So however the Lord leads on that. Uh, but it's a great opportunity, I think, to invite folks, to give them some exposure. Sometimes people will not come to church. Um, maybe they've had a bad experience. Uh, maybe they've heard things uh, in a negative, uh, you know, kind of way. Uh, so it's a good opportunity to invite them to be around God's people uh, just to get some exposure and find out that we're not Martians. Uh, we're real life nice people. <laughs> and with that, let's read in our scripture here. Uh, Romans five fourteen. <clears throat> Paul writing. And he says, now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you, because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, <clears throat> I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of, the, of those things, any of those things, which Christ has not accomplished through me in word or deed <clears throat> to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, that from Jerusalem, <clears throat> excuse me, and round about Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. And for this reason, I have also been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. And whenever I journey to Spain, I will come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while." 
But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. And it pleased them indeed, for they are debtors. Uh, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. And now I beg you, brethren, uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem <clears throat> may be accept acceptable to the saints. And that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. And now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And with that, let's pray. Father, we bless you and we praise you. And we want to thank you, Lord. We'll thank you for the efforts of Paul. Lord, as he took the gospel, Lord, from Asia and, Lord, into Europe. And how, Lord, over these last 2,000 years, Lord, you have, you have ministered to Lord, you have redeemed, Lord, many hundreds, thousands, millions of lives. And Lord, here we are, Lord, because of your magnanimous grace. We thank you for Paul. We thank you that he had a, a focus and a name. And I pray that, Father, as we read this today, that you'd help us. Help us, Lord. Sometimes, Father, we find ourselves so distracted with all the things of life. We forget about, Lord, our relationship with you and how, Lord, we need to maintain that, how we need to walk with you in an ongoing, continual way. I thank you for those that are here today. I thank you, Lord, for their desire to want to hear your word, for their desire to want to know you in a deeper and a better way. So help us to do that, Lord. Help us, we pray, to grow in that grace and knowledge. Lord, to bring glory, to bring honor, to bring praise, Lord, to your name. Lord, because you're worthy. Lord, you're so incredibly awesome. We thank you, Lord, for your many mercies this very week. How, Lord, you have answered prayer. Lord, you've, you've worked in situations. Lord, you've touched lives. Lord, you've, you've blessed us, Lord, in, in ways that we cannot even really enumerate. For that, Lord, we're thankful. <clears throat> so, Father, I pray and ask you, Lord, as we read now, as we consider these things, Lord, uh, help us, we pray, uh, to have the mind of Christ. Lord, speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Paul said here, uh, taking, uh, lifting a phrase from the text, he says, I make it my aim. Uh, Paul was a man who had a focus. He had an aim, in a sense. Uh, somebody once said, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it. And uh, certainly, uh, that is a, a true statement. Uh, and God has called us into relationship with him. And he has an aim. He has a goal. Sometimes I think we forget this. You know, sometimes, oh, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your will for my life? Uh, do you ever find yourself asking those kind of questions? Um, but he does. He has a goal. He has a purpose. He has an aim for you. And I think sometimes <clears throat> we are so distracted by life or we've got so many things maybe going on in our life uh, that uh, we maybe perhaps have trouble finding that to maybe lock in or zero in 
um, you know, just in a sense of what maybe God may have for us, how we, in a sense we can be more useful, how we can get to know him uh, in a deeper way. <clears throat> you know, we, it doesn't take long before we uh, <clears throat> uh, come into life, uh, we begin to set goals, even as children. Uh, I've heard uh, uh, kids say, well, you know, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a policeman, I want to be this, I want to be that. A little girl may say, well, I want to be a mommy, and I want to grow up and I want to get married. And, uh, you know, as we make these kind of goals, it's interesting that we find oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, some of the goals that we make, uh, we find them, we find that they're frustrated. Uh, I don't know about you, but have you had certain goals in your life that you uh, were hoping, you had expectations, you know, for this, that, and the other thing to come together, and they didn't come together. But, you know, sometimes even though that perhaps maybe we're distracted and, and there's uh, other things that come into our lives, you know, sometimes there's God inter- God's intervention. Uh, sometimes he intervenes. Um, I was giving some, um, my brother-in-law. He was, you know, he's in town with us, uh, and I was talking to him. I spent some time with him yesterday, and I was giving him our testimony. And I was just telling him how we left Philadelphia. Uh, we didn't want to raise our families there. We grew up there. Uh, just a, there was just a lot of drugs. And so uh, we uh, decided to, we came up here to, to Rochester for vacation one year. And so uh, we went back to Philadelphia and said, hey, why don't we move to Rochester? And then from Rochester, let's move to to Colorado. Uh, We had some relatives in Colorado, and so we had these plans and purposes kind of worked out. um, I quit my job, and we launched out, and we we came to to Rochester. And uh, and even though that we were planning to stay here maybe a year or two or whatever, I was able to find a job right away. Uh, I was a dental technician, and... uh, uh, everybody needs teeth, and so it was never a problem. Wherever we moved, I was always able to get a job in that sense. Uh, but we were here not even a year, <clears throat> and the gospel came to us. Uh, the Lord saved us, um, and that changed everything. Uh, you know, our plans began to, I, I can remember one of our plans was, we don't want to have any more children. We had one son, and that, that's kind of enough. We don't want any more um, because, you know, that's a big responsibility and all that sort of thing and the expense of raising children and all the other reasons that, you know, that we come up with. And, um, but when the Lord came into our life, that changed. Uh, the trajectory, the direction of our life changed. We, didn't, we never made it to Colorado, only for a visit many, many years afterwards. But I'm so thankful because sometimes, you know, when God is working in our life, initially I think it, it, it feels like interference. Um, uh, and then it may seem like an interruption, but it's actually intervention. It's God's intervention because sometimes, you know, we have our plans. You know, uh, 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 the poet Robert Burns said, the best laid plans of mice and men. And a lot of times our plans are like that. I've had many plans like that, even sometimes as a Christian. Uh, my plans have been the plans of mice and men. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit and the work of God to intervene, to redirect, uh, to, to, you know, to bring another goal uh, to, to reveal another purpose and another design. And sometimes we, we may find it might be hard to let go of something. But remember, God's plan for our life is always the better plan. Uh, sometimes uh, a good plan uh, seems like the way to go, uh, but if it isn't God's plan, it's not the best plan. And he has the best plan. That's why he wants us to seek him. He wants us to look to him. Uh, I was just speaking to somebody um, uh, a, a, a gal who um, ran a restaurant, a chain restaurant. And uh, we saw her um, um, 
about a year after she left the restaurant that she was managing. And she was in another restaurant managing. And so we went there and we saw her. We said, hi, how you doing? And, and, and I detected, I detected she was really sad um, as she transitioned out of the one situation into the other one. Just obviously it wasn't working out. It wasn't a good fit for her. And so she just basically told me after first service, she said, you know what? And she said, you know what? I prayed. She said, I prayed and I asked the Lord. And he moved me into a supervisory position now. I'm out of that restaurant, and I'm over a dozen restaurants. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. And I said, you know, I remember when Margie and I went to visit you that day, I said, I knew that you were so incredibly unhappy in that situation. And we were praying for you, too. Uh, but she was so blessed uh, that uh, because prayer wasn't, a, prayer wasn't really that, all that important to her. But sometimes, you know, when we get into a fix, that we, a situation that we don't like, uh, maybe into some, you know, into a job situation, uh, maybe into a relationship, and all of a sudden we start praying now because we feel this pressure. And we want God's intervention. We need God's help. We want him to be involved in our lives because, you know what, he's going to put us on the right trajectory. Uh, sometimes, you know, we go through school. I was talking to somebody else about this just recently. Um, how, you know, we go, to, we go to college and, you know, you have your major. And oftentimes, by the time you graduate from college, you've changed your major. Sometimes maybe you've changed it twice. Um, and that's a, that, that's a good thing if that's God's purpose and God's design for our lives. And you're going to find as you just sort of navigate through life, uh, you want him to be guiding you. And if that necessitates a change of direction, well, by golly, let him do that. That's why, you know, the Bible says that we need to be led by the Spirit. I think sometimes we're so unfamiliar with yielding up our lives to the Holy Spirit that, that we really, you know, when we read that phrase, well, what is that? You know, what does that mean? But God's Spirit wants to lead us. He wants to lead us, but, but what is very important in God's leading and being led by the Spirit of God is our cooperation. And, and again, one of the interchangeable words I use for cooperation is obedience. It's just obeying Him. It's obeying His prompting. And sometimes God's promptings in your life and my life are very gentle. They're a very gentle thing. And uh, we have to learn <clears throat> to identify that and know that God is you know, nudging us. You know, God is prompting us. Um, and I think at times, uh, I'll be honest with you, I think I've missed it at times. I think there have been a number of times where I've missed that. But we need to have that. God wants us to have that. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us because He knows he knows exactly, you know, where he wants to move us to, what he wants to do in our lives. We don't know that. We, 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 sometimes we think we know that. Uh, but he knows best. Uh, used to be a TV program back in the 50s and, and 60s. Father knows best. Uh, our Heavenly Father, he knows best what he has for each and every one of us. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think Paul, too, Paul experienced times, uh, di very difficult times in his life where doors closed and his plans had to change. Uh, he writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There's a whole list there of, of trials and difficulties and things that happened to him where all of a sudden his plans were changing, his directory or his, his, his uh, direction was changing within his life. But again, uh, in our text here, I think Paul says this despite it all. He says, I make it my aim to declare Christ. And again, knowing that he has a plan. Remember that. Maybe you're, maybe you're right now in a quandary. Uh, maybe you're in a difficult place. Uh, and you're really, you know, you're really praying for God to direct regarding a matter, an issue in your life. Wait on him. And the, it's interesting. The Bible oftentimes tells us to wait. Wait on him until you feel his clear guidance and his clear direction 
uh, because clearly and surely if we were asking him, he will do that for us. Uh, he'll illuminate the path before us and he'll, he'll open uh, the right doors that need to be opened. Now in verse 14, he's commending them for the, for the goodness of God at work in their life. Uh, and when, I, you know, when you read this Romans epistle, uh, God was just wonderfully blessing you know, that church. Um, some of the things I think, you know, uh, so I heard somebody once say that the, the book of Romans is sort of the pinnacle uh, of, of the, you know, the doctrinal epistles, you know, in the New Testament. Uh, and it's, it's so rich with so many things. Uh, and there was a benefit, you know, uh, in the lives of God's people there that, you know, they were recognizing God's goodness. And they were encouraging. There was a mutual work. That's why it's important that we do come together, that we fellowship with one another, and that you're around other believers. Uh, that's a, a, and I think that this church was very healthy in that sense. Uh, they were encouraged, but also, too, uh, he speaks about being admonished. And, you know, when it comes to that thing of admonishment or being reproved, uh, that's a very important thing that God does, you know, within our lives. God uses other people. Um, you know, sometimes I don't mind if the Lord reproves me, but if he would do it himself. Sometimes I don't like the hands that he uses. Sometimes I don't like the people that he uses. Um, but the way they did, they did it or the way they handled it. And, of course, sometimes um, I know the Lord's convicted me at times of my tone. Uh, he's convicted me of times of how I've handled, you know, certain you know, situations. Have you ever handled a situation when you came away from it and the Lord just said, you know, you could have handled that better. You know, you could have been a little more gracious or a little more sensitive, a little more kind. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And there's been times where I had to go back to people and say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was insensitive about that or I, I didn't ha handle that uh, properly. And, and of course, our pride doesn't like doing those kinds of things, recognizing that we're wrong in any kind of way. But I'll tell you what, you know what? We're in the school of the Holy Spirit. Um, you, 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 you know, if somebody goes to seminary, fine. If they go to Bible school, fine. That's, that's a good thing. But I'll tell you what, if you, if you just decide you want to walk with him, you're in the school of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's working in your life. Uh, he's shining his light upon different areas and different things. And again, getting back to, you know, Paul making it his aim, he's got a plan. He's got a specific plan for each one of us. And the only way that you're going to find that is obedience, yielding your life to him. And, of course, we see that in a very great way uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, he attributes everything in verse uh, 15 here. Uh, to the fact that things that were done within his life, you know, to the Lord. Uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, if we glory, let's glory in the Lord. Um, I think there's a danger sometimes. I've seen this in, in ministry, uh, in pastors, uh, you know, patting ourselves on the back, you know, wanting accolades, you know, wanting people to recognize me. I remember one time <laughs> many years ago um, uh, out in, uh, in Canandaigua, I was, I was a pastor out there, and I remember one time I was serving. I was, I was, doing the, I was vacuuming the floor, and, and I, was, I, was, uh, I was realizing that people were looking at me. And as I'm doing something, hmm, yeah, yeah, see, watch me. I'm the example, okay, of a, what a servant is kind of a thing. And the Lord convicted me about that. Yeah, it's fine to serve, but, you know, to have the right attitude, you know, when we're doing that kind of thing. And that's why sometimes God, when we serve, he puts us maybe in a place of obscurity, you know, where nobody knows, nobody recognizes, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and all of a sudden there's griping coming out of us as a kind of, you know, 
uh, why are other people helping and you know that kind of thing and and and, and you know God brings those little attitudes and those little things out because he wants us he wants us to see it he wants us to you know you ever sometimes just say something and something ugly comes out of you and you didn't know it was there you didn't know it was there but once it came out you saw it and, and maybe it hurt somebody maybe it wounded somebody um and uh, I, I know I've done that, and, and in that, I've, you know, I've had to repent. I've had to repent, because these things, you know, uh, can be in our lives without us even recognizing it. Um, but again, the Holy Spirit, he's training us. He's teaching us. He's what? He's making us more, each one of us. We all have this in common. He's making each one of us more and more like Jesus. And I'll tell you what, that's a lifelong work. Um, you don't get, you're not instantly sanctified overnight, Amen. Uh, he's so incredibly, wonderfully patient. Uh, I remember uh, regarding a certain issue in my life uh, that I kept failing in that area. And, uh, and I almost felt in the back of my mind, because I've come to the Lord, and I, Lord, I came to the Lord so many times, I said, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? And I just kind of, in the back of my mind, thought, maybe he's just fed up with me. Maybe he's just tired of me coming to him, you know, about this issue over and over and over again. And, uh, and he just reminded me of when uh, uh, he was speaking to Peter, and Peter, when Jesus was speaking about forgiveness, and Jesus, you know, Peter said, well, well what about if we forgive somebody seven times? Seven times. That's a biggie, okay? And what, what are you doing the eighth time? You know, just, okay, I'm done with you. No more, you know, kind of a thing. And what did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. And I think he was saying, should we count to 490 times? I don't think so. I don't think he was saying we should count to 490 times. I think he was saying by the time you get to 490, you're kind of in the rhythm of really what forgiveness is all about. And if Jesus told that to Peter, then certainly regarding me, um, he's not going to begrudge me of being forgiven again for one of my, you know, because I think, you know, we have certain, every one of us have an Achilles heel, don't we? Uh, in, In a certain area where we keep stumbling over and over and over again. And I'm so thankful for the patience of Jesus. I'm so thankful for his love. I'm so thankful that every time I've come to him, he's never turned me away. Do you ever get turned away by somebody? Would you forgive me? No, I won't forgive you. I'll never forgive you, kind of a thing. And uh, somebody can be like that. Uh, But the Lord isn't. He's gracious and he's kind. And you know something also, too, about our foibles and our failures? And we don't like to do that. We don't like to go there. But you know, when they happen in our lives and they bring us to the Lord, you know what they do? They make us wonderfully compassionate toward other people that have failed us. Nothing can be more difficult than a self-righteous Christian. You know, I can't believe you did that. God takes our failures our setbacks, and all those things, and he uses them. When we come to him, he uses them for his glory. He softens us. He makes us compassionate. You know, if you, if you had failure in a certain area, and all of a sudden you meet somebody, and they're, and they're opening their life, and they're telling you about their failures and their struggles, you just, oh, I know what that's like. Come on, let's pray. Man, the Lord can help you. He, he's done that for me. And so God's doing that. He's doing those kinds of things. Uh, that's why a self-righteous person will sweep their failures under the rug. Won't recognize them. I didn't really do that. I didn't really th- say that. I, no. <laughs> we need to recognize those kind of things in our life because they're never going to change. 
They're not going to change until we really bring them, you know, to the Lord. And sometimes the ugly things can come out, you know, of the human nature. But as we recognize them for what they are and bring them to the Lord in, in our brokenness, he can wonderfully, uh, he, can, he can take them. Now, Paul here is speaking, and we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, uh, about the relationship here between um, the Jews and Gentiles. And again, Paul here was this apostle uh, to the Gentiles. Remember, there were some difficult issues there. Uh, in, in Rome and also in um, you know, that part of the world because uh, there, was a, there was a part of the church that was Jewish, there was a part that was Gentile, and the Gentiles were doing things that stumbled uh, the, the Jewish believers and so forth. And Paul's trying to uh, bring here a, a, a sensitivity um, uh, and a compassion you know, for one another uh, so that we don't stumble one another. And again, it was a real task, I think, for Paul because Paul... Uh, coming from that background, a very Orthodox Jewish background, uh, that he's working there, be, you know, with, between the Jewish church and the Gentile church, and he's speaking here in this particular epistle about going down to Jerusalem. He's bridge building. You know, God has called him, you know, into this, re, you know, this relationship, you know, with people that he's a bridge builder. Uh, he's a peacemaker. Uh, in a sense, that's, isn't that what God has called us to do as well? You know, I think about, you know, the problem that took place in the early church. It was really kind of a uh, it wasn't just a religious problem. It was kind of a racial problem. And you think about all the racial th things that are going on uh, you know, in our culture, the divisiveness going in and on in our culture, the political uh, polarization. You know what? God wants you and me to be bridge builders. That's why one of the things that the Lord has um, really spoken to me about, because uh, it's a temptation, I think, sometimes for pastors to use this pulpit this lectern as a political uh, kind of thing. And I think pastors will do very well to stay away from that. And as, as soon as a pastor, I think, begins to start preaching politics from the pulpit, uh, that's the time that God's going to bring in somebody from the opposition party. And instead of getting saved or getting you know, impacted for Christ, they're just mad. They go off mad. They're driven away because they, they don't agree with the politics of the pastor. And it's a very dangerous thing. And I would, I would encourage you, be very careful. Uh, if you have a political nature, um, you know, out there in the world, in your conversation, because there's, there's, there's some people, there's some people out there, they're very aggressive. They're, they're full of angst and anger about what's going on politically in our world today. And I think you have to be very careful about defending a political position. I think what we need to do is we need to bring them to, we need to get them to Christ. Because you know, I know when I came to Christ, my politics changed 180 degrees. And you know what? Nobody sat me down. Nobody sat me down in church and said, well, this is what you need to do now as a Christian, as, as a, as a born-again Bible believer. This is, what, this is how you need to think politically. Nobody did that to me. But the Holy Spirit did that to me. Because, see, you know what? He works on the inside. <laughs> he renovates. You know, he changes our heart. And, man, he changed me politically 180 degrees. And I look back now and say, like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. That's why it's important. We need to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to people. And he'll change their hearts. He'll change their minds. You ever try to change somebody's mind about something? And you're toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose, you know, just trying to prove your, both of you trying to prove your point. <laughs> nobody, gets, nobody gets anything accomplished. 
That, that can, I mean, that sometimes can even happen theologically. Where people are debating out, you know, debating their the theology back and forth. And oftentimes I've discovered they just both go away, uh, you know, more entrenched in their position. But sometimes if you, we see somebody, we disagree with them, and we feel that they're biblically wrong. You know what's the best thing you can do? Pray. Pray. <laughs> God, God's the one who changes hearts. You know what you discover? You can have, the, you can have a desire, but you can't change your nature by yourself. Jesus can do that. He can do that. He will do that. As we walk with him, as we entrust ourselves to him. It's a beautiful work what the Holy Spirit does and, and the word of God. So he's speaking here <clears throat> about the Gentiles and uh, he was, again, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, and God had a... And that was a difficult thing, I think, for the early church. The Jewish church was, was the only early church in the beginning, that the, God had a redemptive plan for the Gentiles. You know, you, you see the Lord dealing with Peter in Acts chapter 10. Do you know that's about 10 years after Pentecost? And this is the great apostle Peter. He didn't want anything to do with Gentiles. And, and it's like the Lord had to meet with him in a special way, give him a vision. I mean, it took a literal, miraculous vision for Peter to realize that God has accepted Gentiles. <laughs> and I guess if you or, you or I, we would have had the same challenge and difficulty that the apostle Peter had. And, and Paul did, God did that with Paul. God changed his views radically. And again, it was not just they're pagans, but it was, it was almost like a, we're, the, we're, the, we're the ultimate race. We're the Jewish race. Because God's blessing in a special way as he formulated that people for himself, a special people, a peculiar people, as the scripture says. So when you're in that kind of a group, you start thinking, yeah, well, we're really special. And it was a racial thing that God had to remove and, and take, you know, out of their hearts. You know, the only hope for America, I'm convinced, is a great move of God. He's going to have to do it. Because you see the divisiveness and the polarization. I, I've never seen anything like it. The, the angst that's out there in our world today. And you know, the media, they're just stirring up every night. They're just stirring that pot up every night because they want ratings. <laughs> and they, they, they have a responsibility before the Lord for the impact that they make. But you see, you and I, we're God's answer <laughs> to what's going on out there. Just like Paul was. He calls us to be bridge builders, to be peacemakers. We're talking about it Wednesday night because um, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through the end of the chapter, Paul says five times there, <clears throat> excuse me, that we are reconcilers, that God wants to use us to reconcile people to himself. 
And I was thinking about it because uh, all, the, all the military, all the different military combat units, they all have uh, special forces. And in, in the Marine Corps, that, which I was in, uh, the special forces was called Force Recon. And they were dropped uh, behind the lines. They were to observe, uh, gather information, and return. And I was thinking about that because the, of the, the, the term there, uh, reconnaissance or, or reckon, uh, you know, compared to the Bible term, reconcilers. Because in a sense, you know, God gets a hold of us. And what does he do? He puts us, in a sense, behind enemy lines. We're out there in the culture. We're out there in the world. He said, he said that we are like sheep among wolves. And we are to go observe and not take information take information, but give information, the gospel. And we're to bring people back to God. Reconcile them to God. And that's a miraculous thing. But you know something? He's called us to do that. He's called the church to do that. You can be a part of that. You can be a part of that. He said, go ye into all the world. And share the good news. Maybe, you've been, maybe that's happened for you this week. Maybe you've influenced, you know, one life this week. Maybe you planted a seed. Maybe you watered something. Maybe you had a chance to actually talk to them about the Savior. What a glorious, what a wonderful thing that is. So Paul, here in verse 17, is just, he's just glorying in all that God uh, has done. You know, he speaks about wonders, you know, mighty signs and wonders. I think the Lord's always doing little miracles around us. Um, you know, sometimes you say, well, Lord, I want to be involved. I want to, be in, I want to see something like that happen. Uh, Margie just recently, she read a book. We, we went on vacation, and, and I had a book that I hadn't read. And I said, hey, she's always asking me, you got a book I can read? So I gave her this book by Mark Batterson, a pastor. Excuse me, it was called The Grave Robber. It was one of those, I actually picked that book up in Ollie's for a few bucks. And she's reading this book to me. She said, wow, this book is really awesome because it talks about recognizing these little miracles and little things that God is always doing, but we don't often see. And as she said that, I said, you know what? I've been thinking about that very thing, that, that God's always working. He's always doing something, but sometimes we're so busy. Sometimes we're so caught up. Sometimes we're so distracted by life that we don't connect and see those things that he is doing. I would venture to say with each one of us right here today that, that God is doing some things that we're maybe not privy to. Maybe they're just kind of below the, the radar somewhat. And I found myself praying more and more, Lord, help me to see, help me to recognize those things that you're doing. I think also too, a part of that is if we want to see that, I think like Paul, we need to step out in obedience. We, we, we need to yield our lives more and more to the Spirit of God. Because I think he's doing those things. You ever been around maybe a brother or sister, and it's like every time you talk to them, it's like, you know, oh, wow, you should see what the Lord's doing. Man, I, I shared Christ over here, and somebody got saved over there. And I was talking, and I helped this person in their marriage. It's like, they, it's like you, you look at them, and you think, are they on another planet? Are they on a different planet than me? But I do think that, we, that God sometimes runs us into people like that that are so tuned in. 
and they give us, in a sense, they whet our appetite. They say, Lord, I want to be like that. Lord, I want to see what you're doing. I want to know what's going on under the radar. But I think like Paul, one of the things that we have to do, which is a foundational thing here, I think in order to do that, are we obeying the Holy Spirit? Are we being obedient to the Lord when he says, hey, take a step? Or or here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. I look at my own life, I think, you know, I think I've missed some opportunities, to be honest with you. Through fear, or maybe just laziness. Didn't want to put in the effort. Say, Lord, help me to recognize when that opportunity comes. There's been times where the Holy Spirit's prompted me to talk to people, and I just thought, how am I supposed to open the conversation? What, what am I supposed to say? And, and sometimes it's a little fearful to do that. But, but again, if the Holy Spirit's prompting us, and I think sometimes that prompt may come if, you, if, if all of a sudden you see somebody or you're around somebody, and, and, and God's doing something in your heart, there's some compassion or something taking place in your heart within your life, I think that's the Holy Spirit prompting you in a very subtle, gentle kind of way. I mean, sometimes maybe the Lord might, in a sense, shout to us, I need you to do this, I want you to do that. But I think, I think for the most part, the Holy Spirit's like a dove. He's very gentle. He's very gentle in his prompting and his moving within our lives. And I think, we, I think we learn that. But he says here, so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel. Uh, the Air Force motto, every service has this motto. The Air Force is aim high. You know what? I think that was Paul's motto. He was always aiming, you know, for something more, something better, something that was high. You know, and again, as somebody once said, if you aim at nothing, you're surely going to hit it. Let me ask you this, this morning, what's your aim spiritually? And I think sometimes, if you've ever stepped out to the, for the Lord, if you've maybe extended yourself and, and took a step what you felt was a step of faith, a step of obedience, and it didn't work out the way you thought it would, you were let down. You looked at that maybe and said, man, what a failure that was. Be careful that you don't allow that to stop you or hinder you. I look back at my life and, goodness gracious, I have, I've had so many failures, spiritually speaking. Sometimes I would take a step of faith and I would have these expectations. Margie and I launched out in 1981. Um, we got rid of the house. We told, we told the church at the time, come in and take all of our furniture. You can have everything. We, we had a four-by-six U-Haul. We had lawn chairs and clothes and a card table. <laughs> and I remember, we, for some reason, I took a Coleman stove. Maybe it's just common. I'm camper. But yeah, maybe we can use that. And all we had was like $600, and that got us into a house. But we couldn't afford to turn on the electric. And I can remember 
I can remember we, had, we set up the Coleman and we were boiling water and it was our last pound of spaghetti. And man, I was so depressed because here I, I led my family. I launched, I took a step of faith. And, and Margie, um, <clears throat> we didn't have any furniture, okay? So she's sitting over by the window. It's getting dusk out there and it's getting kind of dark. And so she sits under the, under the she's sitting under, on the floor under the window with a Bible. She says, oh, honey, Look at this scripture the Lord just gave me. And the scripture was uh, Micah, or one of, the, one of those minor prophets, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light around me. And she was so incredibly encouraged by that, and I was encouraged for her, but I was still depressed. <laughs> and the next morning, I went out to the mailbox, and there was a check for $1,000. Somebody from the church in New York, not knowing what our situation was because we weren't in that kind of close contact. Uh, there was no texting back then. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we were still in the age of wall phones. <laughs> Ancient history, right? And they had no idea, but, but, but God did. And I can remember after a year of ministry there, the Lord told us to come back to New York. And I'll tell you what, I was, I was like, oh, man, did, did I miss the Lord? Did, did I miss the directions? And I felt like such a zero, such an incredible failure. But, you know, as that went through that time period, I didn't realize that there were things that God was doing in me and things that God was getting out of me. I think there were some ambitions there that he had to get out of me. And as I look back now, it's like I, I realize I look at God's plan and God's purpose. That's why sometimes when we're in a situation, we may not have the right perspective. We may not have the right insight about where we are and what's actually going on. But as somebody once said, hindsight is twenty twenty, And I think that's especially true with the Lord. As you look back what, at what God has done, you realize that he was aiming something higher in your life. And the beautiful thing I love about, the God, I love about the Lord is that he redeems failure. He's the redeemer of failures. He brings beauty out of ashes. He restores the things that the locusts have eaten. He can do that. And he does do that. And maybe right now, maybe right now as we speak about these things, maybe you're saying, Lord, I need you to do that for me. And, and I want you to trust him. I, I want you to just you keep your eyes upon him. Let him be your goal. Let him be your aim. Because he's, remember, Matthew 6.33, I know it's a simple verse. We all know it by heart. Uh, that, you know, that basically seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will, you know, will happen and be taken care of in your life. And what it means is, is let him be the priority. Let your personal relationship with him be the priority of your life. And you know, he's going to take care of those other things. We don't need so much to over-worry. We need to pray about him. But again, as we keep he as the goal, the aim, the purpose, he will work out those very issues, those very matters. And Paul says, and he speaks about, you know, again, this is the Apostle Paul. 
for this reason I have been much hindered from coming to you. You know, Paul, Paul the Apostle. Do you ever, do you ever feel this? I, this was something that took me a while to get over, that, Lord, if you're leading me, it should all work out easily. You ever had that thought? Lord, if I'm involved, for something, involved with something for you, for the kingdom, it should be a piece of cake. No, even the Apostle Paul. You, you know what's going on here? Is that when you and I are making a difference like the Apostle Paul was, you know what? There's going to be hindrance. There's going to be spiritual warfare. So don't give up. Don't quit. The enemy always... <laughs> uh, years ago, I read a... I was doing a spiritual warfare class, and um, I was reading a book uh, by a Puritan writer, uh, Rich, um, William Gurnall, and uh, it's called The Christian in Complete Armor. And he, there, was one th- there was a number of things there, but one of the things that really stuck with me, one of the principles of spiritual warfare that stuck with me, uh, and it's so vital and so important, that what he used for, uh, you know, f- uh, what scriptures he used to prove his point was Moses, um, Pharaoh's attempt to destroy Moses when he was a baby. Herod's attempt to destroy Jesus when he's a baby. Here's the principle. When there's anything that's ever young and fresh and new in your life from God, Satan's going to try to crush that. Because he tries to kill it when it's in its infancy. Remember that principle. That's a very important principle because a lot of times when, when folks determine to do something, they catch flack. There's hindrance. And, you, and a person can walk away from something that God has designed for them just because there's hindrance there. Even the Apostle Paul. Now, he had future plans, looking at verses 24 and 25, uh, plans for Spain. He had plans here for uh, Jerusalem. Uh, all these different things. So it's, you know, that's why it's very important. Make sure you include God in your plans. You have expectations. You have aspirations. You know what? Even vacation. Pray about your vacation. I've had some horrible vacations. I never want to go back to that place again. But whatever your plans are. And you know what? We make plans. We're always making plans. Plans for the future. Financial plans, you know, plans for retirement. Uh, you know, we, we have a whole host of plans. Make sure that you include the Lord in your plans, and the way you do that is by praying. God may shut a door. God may open a door. Remember Paul? He had gone through Turkey, Asia Minor, and, and the Holy Spirit said, don't go to the left, don't go to the right. Couldn't go to Galatia, couldn't go to Bithynia. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? So he finds himself down at the seaport of Troas, the end of the road. And obviously, Paul's not going across the Aegean, not going across that sea. He's a, he's, a, he's a guy from the Middle East. But then the vision comes in the dream. The man from Macedonia saying, hey, come on over. <laughs> come on over and help us. <laughs> and it wasn't easy. But God guided, God directed. God will open the doors that he's put before you. It doesn't mean that there's going to be, you know, no resistance. 
we see that here, you know, for Paul, all of his desires. And then, and then we find here, he's speaking here about the, because again, he was trying to build, build a bridge. Yeah, the generosity of the Gentile churches toward the Jerusalem church. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, there were uh, interests there in Jerusalem, uh, tried to stop Paul and his efforts, his endeavors. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, you can't stop the Lord. E- even Paul being in prison, God brought blessing out of that. Tremendous blessing. And, and the point that he's making here too also is, is that we Gentiles need to remember that we're debtors to the Jews for what God, we have a Jewish Savior. What did, what did Jesus say to the Gentile woman at the well? Salvation is of the Jews. When's the last time you prayed for the peace of Jerusalem? I'll tell you what, not to be political here. Because some of the, some of the things that President Trump does amazes me. But the two things he did in Israel by moving the capital to Jerusalem, because you know what? No, whether Mr. Trump knows it or not, that's the future capital of the world, <laughs> of the universe. And, and the issue of the Golan Heights, recognizing that that was Israel. <laughs> I, again, I don't, this is my opinion. I may be wrong, but I don't think Mr. Trump's a saved man. <laughs> but I think God's using him. No doubt as the church is praying for him. Again, I'm not trying to be political here. But again, Paul's saying we're debtors. When's the last time you prayed for the peace of Jerusalem? Maybe remember that next time in your prayers. Now, verse 29, we want to wrap this up and come to a close. He says, I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. There was an author by the name of Robert Browning. He made this statement. He said, our reach should exceed our grasp. Our reach should exceed our grasp. And I like that, especially applied in a spiritual kind of way, because you know what? Every one of us, in one way or another, we hold in our lives and in our hands many different things. And I'm talking about material things. And in our culture, isn't there a constant grasping for more? It never ends. And there's something about the human spirit. There's something about, you know, that you know, people make acquisitions all the time and thinking, well, if I have this, if I have that, then I know that I'll, I'll, I'll maybe feel more content or I'll feel more happy. But it never really happens. That's the way it is in the material realm. But is our reach exceeding our grasp where we are spiritually with Jesus today? That needs to happen. Are we reaching for more? Lord, I want to know you better. Lord, I want to, that old hymn, just a closer walk with thee. When's the last time you said, Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you reaching for more? I, I, I think it's there for us. 
I remember one time thinking about these kind of matters. The Lord, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, Ray, you're right where you want to be. <laughs> it was like a simple revelation, but it was a revelation. And I like what Browning said. But applied in a spiritual way. That our reach needs to exceed our grasp. The things that we have. Because I believe that for you and for me, for all of us, God has got something more. Are you in spiritual retirement mode? I hope not. Do you want more? Are you looking, praying for an opportunity? That's good. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. Lord, he was a man. Lord, a, a man of many talents. A man of great flexibility. A man that was driven by passion and love for Christ. Father, help us. Lord, perhaps there may be some things in our lives that we are grasping that we need to let go of. And if that is so, Lord, show us. Lord, we don't know. We oftentimes are just caught up in thinking this, that, or the other thing will make us happy. But Lord, you know exactly what we need. We need you. We need the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. And if we need to, Lord, help us to simplify. Lord, help us to trust. Help us, I pray, O oh, Father, to obey. Lord, you said in the Scriptures, obedience is better than sacrifice. So I pray, Lord, for your dear people. Help us, Lord. Guide us. Go before us. Lord, give us an appetite. Give us a desire and a passion. Father, for something more to know you in a deeper way, to love you more. Lord, to have you fill our lives. And we know that, Lord, your plan is always better than our plan. So help us to be flexible. Lord, help us to be open. Lord, to be yielded to you. And with that, Lord, we will give you glory. We will give you praise. We will give you thanks. In the blessed name of our Savior. Jesus Christ, amen.